everyone, you're listening to the Shegulala Salami Show. It's a show set in a virtual cafe, and I'm your host, Shegulala Salami. The show is about books and publishing, and guests from all over the world come on the show to share their expertise, motivate, educate, and inspire. If you enjoy the show, please do subscribe to it and tell your friends as well. As it's a virtual cafe, what can I offer you now? My name is Kathy Alves Davis, and I am the author of Miracles, M-Y-R-C-L-E-S. Hello, Kathy. Yes, hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. Oh, oh. I had to make sure I connected us. <laughs> I, got a, I got a little sign there to connect us, so that's what I did. Awesome. But anyway, what I was going to say is I am the author of Miracles a true story of divine intervention, hope and inspiration. And it is such a super um, inspiring book. And I'm very excited because it comes out on Amazon on Tuesday. And, you know, the miracles are spelled different, M-Y-R-C-L-E-S, but it's filled with chock full of lots of miracles. You know, and I, I like to say the book's title is my miracles, your miracles, because we all have them. So Good. here we are in this virtual cafe, and it's so nice to be with you here with you. And I'm going to order a, I guess I'll have a hazelnut latte. And what would you like? Because it's on me today. Well, thank you. This is the first time anyone is offering me a treat virtually. So that's really <laughs> lovely. Um, I'm very lazy when it comes to drinks like, and with most things. It's like once I have that thing that's perfect for me, I don't particularly like trying something new. So I always like my extra chocolatey hot chocolate, extra Ooh, milky, extra milky, extra chocolatey hot chocolate with whipped cream on it. That's it. That's my favorite. Sounds delicious. I hope this barista can make it. Yes. Normally my daughter would do it, um, but she's in school now today, so which is why everywhere is so quiet and we can get some peace and quiet. Right. So whilst we are waiting for our virtual drinks, um, so you said miracles. Why is it spelled differently? What motivated you to change the spelling? Well, you know, I wanted to name the book Divine Intervention, you know, because that's what I had. I had a divine intervention. I've had many divine interventions, but in 1998, I had a really big divine intervention. And as soon as this happened, um, <clears throat> after God spoke to me on the darkest day of my life, and he spoke to me and allowed me to know that I was going to be fine and that one day I was going to go on and write a book of hope and inspiration that would help countless others. I knew right there and then that I was going to name the book Divine Intervention. But as time went on and I wrote the book, years after I healed from an aggressive stage three breast cancer diagnosis and treatment that followed. Um, after years, years later, my husband was looking through the book world and he found that there were loads of books named Divine Intervention. They were, you know, they were Divine Intervention seminars, Divine Intervention conventions, you know, there's so many Divine Interventions, it would be lost. And so it happened to be 2001, when um, in Virginia, where I live, I live in Virginia, um, it, when it happened to be that they were doing the breast cancer uh, license plates. So they'd have the pink ribbon and you'd have their personalized license plate, uh, personalized license. 
you know, the word, whatever your title was beside it. And so I wanted to have um, the word miracles because I thought, you know, that's perfect. I had a divine intervention, miracles. But then when we got in there, we realized that it was only, you could only put, it was, it would not take all those characters. So we had to start thinking about it. Now, what would, what else could we do? But I wanted it to be, I couldn't get divine intervention on the license plate. So I wanted it to say something to do with miracles. So my husband and I were sitting there brainstorming and he came up with, what about MYR? And, you know, so I thought, perfect, that'll fit on there. Hmm. So I rode around with that on my, you know, my license plate. It was cause for a lot of people to stop or honk or give me a thumbs up or meet me in a parking lot and go, I love that. And you, you had a miracle. And it was always, you know, it was always the cause of some conversation, which is great. And yeah. so when it came time to name my book and my husband found out that I'd be in a sea of divine intervention, um, you know, my, my husband and my son both said, you know, we think you should name the book Miracles. And yeah. I, you've been riding around with this on your car all these years and you've gotten so much, so many people have stopped to ask you what it means. This would be perfect. And so that's what I did. But unbelievably so, when I talked with my publisher, I took my publisher, they were so excited to get my book. And then as I was on this, um, you know, as I was on this Zoom call, this conference call, oh, about a year ago, he said to me, now, Kathy, the team's here and we're all excited about this book of hope and inspiration and all the miracles that are in it, all the uplifting stories. But we also want to know, you know, uh, we want to hear it from you. So can you tell us in your own words a little bit of the story? So I went into the story about I was going to name the book Divine Intervention. And, you know, as God always does, it's, it always happens. He always takes care of things. So the publisher spoke up and he said, you know, I love that name Miracles. It causes people to, you know, to take a second look, to figure it out. You know, it's just like those license plates you have to figure out. And then he said, you know, he said, what about the subtitle being a true story of divine intervention, hope and inspiration? And you know, I literally got the goosebumps all over me because now my book, the, the, even the subtitle was gonna be on my book and it was gonna be divine intervention. So just what I thought from the time God spoke to me on that CAT scan table, all those years ago, it was going to be, that it actually was going to get on the cover of my book. So that's the subtitle. And so that's how I came up with the title and the subtitle. That's a very interesting story. And, you know, I think you've chosen the correct name because it's a good conversation starter because then it opens people to want to find out, you know, well, how did you come up with something so unusual or something so different? Um, so that, that's a really good choice. Um, so then it then leads me though. So what is your story of divine intervention? Like what happened that made you think it was divine intervention? Well, you know, it all started in my childhood. I was a very sick child. There was no magic bullet in the late fifties for asthma. I was a severe asthmatic. We lived about a half hour from the hospital and I would be, you know, choking, coughing, strangling, gasping for air, my bronchial tubes closed off, couldn't get any air. You know, it, it's a terrible disease. And, you know, many children of my time died. They still die to this day. 
And so during that time, I would be so exhausted. And I had a very close walk with Jesus and God. And my mother would coax me, you know, I was a, all day long gasping for air. My mother would coax me to go to Christ. And, and, and usually the, the severe asthma attacks usually happened in the night. And she would coax me to go to God in prayer. And so I would. And she, then she would tell me to relax and go to sleep. Try to go to sleep and you'll feel better tomorrow. And in my exhausted state, I would fall off in an exhausted slumber. And just as my mother predicted, there would be Jesus coming towards me with his arms outstretched and telling me things that were going to happen. Of course, when I woke up the next day, I was healed and I would tell my mother these things. And at first she kind of thought they were just things of, you know, childhood dreams. And then when the things started happening, my mother realized, no, there was really that connection. And I cite in the book, I cite the beginning of the miracles begin in my childhood. And I cite three miraculous happenings that no one's going to forget once they read my book. So that's how it started. So then when, and then of course I had many other miracles that I talk about in the book, but that's where the miracles started. That's where the divine intervention began. But then in 1998, I was doing a self-examination of my breasts and I came across this area that just didn't seem right. Yet, although I had just had a mammogram and it was totally fine, but I had uh, what's called fibroid breasts. So it made like, it was like a deck of cards in my, in my breast that you couldn't see below it. And of course, then mammograms were only two dimensional. So when they, when I went to see my doctor, he was sure it was nothing because I just had my mammogram. And then he sent me for a sonogram. And then the sonogram showed that there was like a big goose egg under there. He was sure it was a cyst. And then he sent me to, uh, and he took a biopsy and he said to me, oh, this is completely water-filled. I'm not worried about it at all. It's probably a cyst. We'll just have to drain it or get it out of there. And he said, I want you to call in three days and tell me, you know, give me a call in three days and you can speak to my phone nurse and she'll tell you how we will proceed. And I said, so I have nothing to worry about. And I wasn't worried at all. And he said, no, nope, you have nothing to worry about. So I went home and three days later I called and they said, they kept putting me on hold. No, she's very busy, hold on, hold on. And all of a sudden out of the blue, the doctor, the, the, the doctor that had been so nice that I had, had you know, gotten a real rapport with, he came on and he was speaking very low, very saddened. And he said, I don't know how to tell you this, I wouldn't do this over the phone. I would have had you come in here. But he said, <clears throat> he said, pathology report came back today and you have breast cancer. And it isn't just breast cancer. It's aggressive stage three breast cancer. And your very life is at stake. And he said, I just knew that was not possible. So I called Quest Laboratories and I asked the head of Quest Laboratories, who's a good friend of mine, to retest it. And she came back just about 20 minutes ago and told me, yes, indeed, it is actually aggressive stage three breast cancer. And that girl is in serious trouble. So it started, it's, that's what started the ball rolling. Unbelievably so, my brother-in-law was the CEO of a cancer research company in Boston, where I'm actually from, just exactly at that time. 
And so I contacted my sister and she said, oh no, you're gonna come right up to Boston and Rob's gonna get you into the best breast cancer team in the city. And he did immediately. And I went there and they gave me also the same sad news. Uh, you know, you know, you need to go back home, get your affairs in order, this and that. They had to establish, however, how far reaching the cancer was. So they sent me for a CAT scan. And when they sent me for a CAT scan, I was praying. I always had that close walk with God and Christ. I stayed in faith. And I was laying on the CAT scan table as the droning of the uh, CAT scan machine was at my feet. The big black clock on the wall was ticking away the seconds and it was you know I could hear it loudly and I I laid there and the, the tech put a, a blanket over me a warm blanket and then she went behind a brick wall and she said we'll be starting your test as soon as the dye has gone through your body so as I was laying there and praying and asking God to help heal to help me and to heal me once again as he had done so many times in my life all of a sudden, my prayer went way off into the distance and God spoke to me as he had done as a child. And he allowed me to know that I was going to be fine, but that one day I would go on to write a book of hope and inspiration that would help countless others. And in that moment, I felt comforted. I knew completely the warm blanket was on me and it was as God was giving me a hug, telling me that everything was going to be okay. So I went, the radiologist took the, took the test. The radiologist came over to me. He looked at me. I was only young. I was in my 40s. He, you could see that he was saddened by what I was going through. And I asked him, I said, could you please go and just look at my, at my pictures, at my scans? And he said, oh, well, you know, we'll meet with 12 other doctors tonight. And I really can't just go and do that. And, I, and I, so I grabbed his forearm and I said, please. I, I'm still raising my children. They're in high school and college. Please, please, please look at it for me. So he said, all right, I will, but you have to know this is a preliminary uh, you know, uh, overview of your, of your scans. So I could see him putting all the, the pictures up on the light box in this uh, small area. I could actually see him, the door was made of glass. And he came out, I kept praying and he came out and he said, you know, I'll be honest. It's very large, but I don't see that it's gone anywhere else in your body. And I know that you have to go for a bone scan, but I can tell you right now, I know you're gonna follow up here with a bone scan today, but he says, I can tell you right now, I don't see it in your bones either. So it's right there, it's isolated in the breast. And I was, I was like, there we are, Lord, we're on our way. So I went up to, I went up to see, my family was surprised me and they all came into Boston that day and met me and they were waiting for me in the bone scan area. And I went up there and I was so elated. I said, you don't have to worry, you know, it's gonna be fine. And I just saw the radiologist and he says it hasn't gone anywhere. And I looked at my mother and I said, mom, I'm gonna write a book. I'm gonna write a book of hope and inspiration and it's gonna help countless others. And she was like, oh my goodness, that's wonderful, they made a mistake. And I said, no, they didn't make a mistake, mom. But as always, God came to me and he told me that's what's gonna, is what's gonna happen. And I know that I'm going to be fine and I know I'm going to write this book. And so my mother said, oh, that's wonderful news. 
So when I went to meet with the doctors there, they said to me, uh, you know, it's very serious. They also offered me no hope. They also said, get your affairs in order. You know, they said you might have, you know, six months to a year and a half. Uh, you have to go through all this treatment to try to shrink the tumor down to 50% of its size now, because if they operated now, they would destroy your chest wall. And so they said to me, um, do you happen to know where Georgetown University Hospital is in Washington, DC? And I said, actually, I live in Virginia, right near Washington, DC. And that's about uh, you know, 45 minutes from my front door. And they said, that's amazing because that is the only protocol in the country for stage three aggressive breast cancer. And it's at Georgetown presently. You would be number nine in the protocol and we can send you there and you will get a new type of treatment that should be able to help you. We are still saying, you know, we don't think that you have, you know, your future does not look good, but you would be in that study and you would help countless other women. That, those words kept coming up, countless others. And I said, wonderful. And right then and there, I knew God was ahead of me all the way. That sounds like a really inspiring story um, because it's sort of like, I think that's one of every woman's worst nightmares, like to suddenly imagine having your boobs cut off. Exactly. Um, so it's so, it's, I think you, like you said, divine intervention that one minute they said it's, you know, this aggressive and then next minute, oh, okay, it's all been isolated and it's not progressed, you know, to every everywhere else so you know that's a really good story but what I would like to know though is when between that happening did you then decide because I find that a lot of people always think or say they're going to do something but they never inspire themselves or motivate themselves enough to actually take action so when did you decide okay now it's time for me to put pen to paper when did you start writing what motivated you to start writing? Well, I have, to, I have to finish up by saying that I went to Georgetown and they gave, me, they gave me no hope there either. They said the same thing. It's very large, it's very aggressive. We'll put you in this protocol. You know, we'll study you, you'll be a guinea pig. But you know, we don't, you know, we, we don't know what will happen, but you know, you're, the odds are against you. The odds are against you for living a normal life. And so I, I told them all, all these top doctors, I said, I'm going to have a miracle and I'm going to be fine. And they said, well, that's highly unlikely, but that's a great resolve. I said, no, that's not my resolve. God is going to give me a miracle. And so um, within form, I had adjuvant chemotherapy, which was before uh, my surgery. And within about a month's time, they could no longer take biopsies. And by the time I had surgery, the mass was gone. And the mass was the size of a navel orange. So I made medical history at Georgetown University Hospital in 1998. Wow. But then I had years of healing. So God gave me the, the, the miracle he promised. But from the time in Boston that he told me, I became, I had a notebook and I had a pen and I took it wherever I went, like I was a journalist. And I was writing down exactly what transpired that day and what 
what notable things happened. And there were many notable things that happened with me and my doctors. And that's all in the book. And it's unbelievable, the connection between me and God and what the doctors would say. And you'll read about that in the book as well. But anyway, it was years later, but I had that notebook to go by. And every day, always, it was on my mind. I was always formulating it. Now, I never wrote a book before. I never studied writing a book. I never wanted to do that. I wanted to write from my heart. And also, I loved, I always loved to talk. I always loved to speak. I knew I was, I could captivate an audience always. And so I thought, you know, I have that ability. I've had that since I was a child. Now I've just got to make that into writing like that and learning how to write that way. And I taught myself how to do it. I even did the dialogue in there. And I, I taught myself how to make the story interesting to a reader, making the written word just as interesting as me telling the story. And so that's what I did. I started it years later. It took me 11 years to write the book, uh, not 11 years to sit down all at once and write the book, 11 years in between my children going to college, my children graduating, my children getting married, uh, my children having children, my grandchildren. Um, my mother became ill. Uh, I took my mother into my home and kept her here while she was ill. My, my uncle, who's also in the book, my handicapped uncle, he became ill and he, 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 he was ill as well. So all those things were happening, taking me away from the computer. And now, you know, I never felt a pressure from God to go back and keep typing. But I'll tell you, it's all in God's perfect timing. Because yeah. who would have believed me that I had a miracle five years later? They would have said, oh, she's, you know, she doesn't know that yet. You know, so it went away. Doesn't mean it won't come back. Ten years. They would have said, no, I, I, I don't know. It's only been 10 years. I've heard, you know, but it's 23 years now. So, yeah. so now the book is coming out. 23 years later, I have been cured of cancer and a cancer the size of a navel orange. And God did exactly as he said he was going to do for me. He gave me a new life, a new mission, something else to do in this world that could help other people and inspire them and give them hope against any adversity they're facing. And we will all face adversities in this lifetime. So, you know, that's my new mission and I'm so excited about it. I'm excited for everybody to read my book like I said, it comes out June 1st. It's on pre-order right now, but no one should miss this book because it's going to lift you up. People tell me it's a real page turner and it keeps you engaged throughout the whole thing. And at the end, people are asking, saying to me, I just wanted it to be more. I just wanted more of that story. But that's how divine intervention came into my life and took care of me and took me through every bit of it. So I had to answer God's call on my life. And even though I didn't know how to do it, I, I made sure that I did it because I was going to answer what God called me to do. Yeah. Okay. So one last question though, and if you could say this in like one sentence, anyone who reads the book, how, what do you think is going to be the benefit to them? Why would they want to read it? Like, you know, sometimes some people read to educate themselves Some people read it to entertain themselves. What is it that, you know, someone who reads the book, 
what how does it benefit them from doing so well it's going to be it's a very enthralling book so they're going to enjoy it they're going to enjoy the ride that they're on but then also it's it's captivating and they're going to learn lessons for themselves yeah there is a there's four little words in the book that i live by it's called stay in the day and it was given to me by a woman who didn't know me at the start of my diagnosis and it stay in the day is such an important idea we all only have this day none of us know what tomorrow is going to bring we don't know what tomorrow holds for us so this day is the day to celebrate and rejoice in and live our lives to the fullest and i think that's a big takeaway from the book is to stay in the day and of course all the miraculous stories that are in that book awesome well, it's so nice to be able to chat with you on today's episode of the Shekilola Salami Show. I think we've come to that time where I've got to, you know, kick you out of the virtual cafe. If not, people would go like, these ladies, they just like the sound of their own voices. <laughs> but, um, well, it was so nice to be here with you. And I thank you so much for having me on. And I'm so excited about hearing this and, and getting this out to all of your listeners. And I thank you again so much for inviting me here today. It's been my pleasure. And I've really enjoyed sort of listening to your story and seeing, you know, your miracle, because I think, you know, especially with the way the world is today, we could all do with believing that, yes, miracles do happen irrespective of our faith, whether you have religious faith or non-religious faith, whatever your faith is. I think it's just nice to hear someone else's miracle and hope and sort of just feel like no matter how bad things get for us, we can have our own miracles as well. That's what I think. Yes, you've been a blessing to me today. And I thank you so very much. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Shekelola Salami Show. Until next time, we'll catch you again. All right, bye now. And that brings us to the end of today's episode of the Shekelola Salami Show. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's episode. Um, I would really appreciate it if you would consider leaving a review of the show because it sort of helps me know what I'm doing right, what I'm not doing so right, and what I need to improve. Um, if you know anyone else who would benefit um, or who would enjoy the show, please do share the show with everyone in your network. Thank you very much. And until next time, again, it is the Shekilola Salami Show. Bye now.